Good morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sensor. I wanted to start dancing when I heard that jig. How are you, Stacey? Good morning. Hi, John. I know. It, it definitely puts us in a little bit of a brighter mood, especially with all that's going on right now. Um, you are, are home, or you are not home this week. You're on the East Coast here where I'm at, so you're you're not dealing with the fires that are going on in California, which are just seem to be um, terrible right now, but you are here with our rainy East Coast weather this week, aren't you? Yeah, the rain's a nice change. Well, well so, so the first part of the week I was in Fort Lauderdale, and um, um, I, I understand why people want to move there because it's warm, but it was sweltering from, from yeah. my point of view. It, it was, however, a remarkable change from the fires. Uh, yeah. We're 150 miles away from anything that's burning, but it's like it's like being in Delhi, India. The air is unbreathable. Um, uh. every, everybody has a mask on. Um, the sky is grimy and has this yellow haze everywhere you look. Um, and so I'm not missing that. We had to pick yeah. up... Um, um, Alex, the the, the uh, sophomore, um, is going to school in Chico State, which is at the center of the fire. So um. we had to grab him um, and evacuate him out and bring him home. It was nice to have him home. Yeah. And today, I'm in beautiful Charleston, South Carolina, where it's raining, but it's at least a bearable temperature. Exactly. Yeah, Charleston's beautiful, and so our heart goes out to everybody in California. I am glad your uh, youngest is uh, safe and sound, and um, hopefully everyone else is um, wherever they're located at. But but you you can't beat Charleston. Charleston has some of the best food in the nation, I believe, if you know where to find it, right there on that main street. It's just fabulous. So even in the rain, I'm sure you can find places to enjoy yourself. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, yep, yep. The food in Charleston is awesome. Yeah. The food in Charleston is awesome. I, I can't wait for dinner. Um, so what have you been up to? Um, well, this is, it's been a, a little bit of a quiet uh, time. I would say quiet with the, with the utmost of um, lots of catching up from, from weeks and weeks of travel to do. So uh, a lot of emails this week, lots of figuring out what's going on in the news because there is some big news going on. Um, and spending time preparing for the holidays. You know, that's coming up much more quickly than I anticipated this year. And so um, trying to figure out what I'm going to be doing for, for my turkey day here uh, because uh, my family is out of town and um, and I don't cook that much. So, <laughs> but, I'm, but I am sure I will. I have some friends who have already offered to have us over for uh, Thanksgiving and that will, that will be the enjoyable time. So, <laughs> and how about you? Will you be home next week? I, I will be home next week, but this is one of those one of those Thanksgivings that happens where everybody is scattered to the winds at a um, um, a spouse's family's house or something, right? And so and so um, I'm headed to Japan uh, a week from tomorrow, and so Thanksgiving is going to be about packing. And when we have one of these empty nest uh, Thanksgivings, um, we go spend time with this family who runs an Indian restaurant that we've been going to for 20 years now and um, uh, have some great Indian food and friends over there. 
There you go. Well, see, it's a it's a multicultural Thanksgiving. That's the best way to spend it. I know my friends are that I'll be probably spending Thanksgiving with um, are from Germany, and so we get a, a great mix of interesting um, foods that come from sort of the European bent with the U.S. bent, and it's fun and lots of good baked goods. Oh yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> So, so, but we will be doing a show next week. So we should let everybody know we're gonna. So there will be a, a podcast. We'll be doing a little bit earlier and recording it. Um, so people should expect that there will be a show next week as well. So, right, something to listen, something to listen to while you cook your turkey. That's right. <laughs> well, it has been a big week this week in the HR tech space. Lots of stuff going on, John. Um, but uh, you were down at uh, an event in Florida. Um, with a vendor, right? You're there with, with Ultimate, and they were having sort of an analyst day with some updates. Any any updates from there before we get into some of the other news going on this week? Well, you know, you know, it's it's. I spent a lot of time in a lot of different vendors' offices. The the thing that is going on at Ultimate Software is unlike any of the other companies. This year, they're going to hit. They're, they're like 27 or 28 years old. And they have continuously grown over those years, and they're going to hit a billion dollars in sales this year. Um, they have mm, <clears throat> at least one of the most, if not the most interesting, AI implementations. Um, and so that is feathered throughout their offering, and, and that's pretty interesting. They bought a company called PeopleDoc, which is a case management system, and they are very plugged into the fact that uh, case management is the only way that you can really quantify what HR accomplishes because it gives you objects that you can count rather than processes to manage. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're imagining using the data um, both in the uh, case management system and that the case management system generates to improve the quality of the HR services they deliver with intelligence. So, so it was very exciting, and and there there isn't a more welcoming culture uh, than than the um, ultimate software culture. They have, I think, maybe the other thing that's really worth talking about is they have a uh, a way of thinking about ecosystem development and alliance and partnership development that is a reinforcing um, certified process that enables them to cover all sorts of bases and they're doing that thing about building out the capacities of their system through a a well-greased network in a way that that nobody else is touching so 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 it was exciting to get to spend time with them. Yeah, no, they are definitely, I think, a story for slow and steady win, might might win the race, right? They have, um, I think, you know, generally every year gone up just a little bit, just enough, you know, and, um, you know, they're now, I think, somewhere plus 4,500 plus individual organizations in their cloud application. Um, and, and that's a, a pretty amazing story when you think about where they started from. Um, and it's just been a, in a, a sort of a every year they do something, you know, sort of just to move the, the bar a little bit higher. And so they are definitely one of the organizations who have, I think, ushered in the cloud 
market in the HR technology space. So so glad to hear that they're continuing to add. I know one of the things that I saw that was mentioned was their workforce management applications as well. Uh, they're one of the enterprise systems sort of getting into the scheduling and time tracking space where previously they had done most of that through partnerships, correct? Right. Yep, that's right. They, they are they – are, one of the cases that they made that, that I found interesting is that they are exclusively an HR tech company. And I think most of the other enterprise players have aspirations to go beyond HR tech and do some sort of financial uh, stuff. And so, and so that was interesting as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's been a bit week. So not only did you have the ultimate event going on down there, we had uh, the big announcement of SAP purchasing Qualtrics um, just before they were ready to go out on IPO. Like, I mean, it was like literally as they were getting ready to put the announcement out um, for $8 billion in an all-cash deal, one of those um, make them an offer they can't refuse um, sort of godfather moments, it seemed, because I think everybody was sort of, really shocked when this came out. Um, Qualtrics is the surveying tool that generally gets used for employee um, <coughs> engagement surveys and uh, market industry surveys. We should note that uh, we use it at Sierra Cedar for our survey that we do. It's one of the most um, flexible surveying tools in the market. Um, and SAP decided that it is now part of their their package that they want to offer to um, companies. Um, some say this is putting them in direct competition in some ways with the Oracles and uh, the Salesforce.coms trying to get a broader share of market data. I don't know, John. What do you think about uh, this big announcement? This was probably the biggest one in the news this week. I think I think the winner here is SurveyMonkey. <laughs> the okay. total winner here is SurveyMonkey because because if you're a, if you're an Oracle client, you're not going to get good service here. <laughs> you know, so 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 what what we've seen about SAP acquisitions is um, it's where interesting um, uh, market players go to die. And um, well, you, you know, I mean, look at success factors. I mean, that's 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 a that's a classic example. And so 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 SAP. There's a great market for Qualtrics. There's a lot of people at SAP who need Qualtrics. But if you're not uh, an SAP customer, um, SAP, I don't think they have any sort of um, sales force direct to customer services that don't go through SAP. So, so you're going to have to become an SAP customer if you want to use Qualtrics, and that's not for everybody. Yeah, I'm not quite. I'm I, I, sure if I'm I'm as gloom and doom as you are, but I but it was one of those moments where I was sort of like, ooh, I hope the big company doesn't sort of mess too much with the culture of the small company, and and we definitely have seen some culture shifts in the success factors market as well. But I, I do think that you know from an SAP perspective, you know this might be you know an entryway into a broader consumer based. <laughs> tool that could be very, very valuable because Qualtrics is not only known for internal organization surveys, but it's known definitely for market share surveys as well, which reaches a much broader audience. Um, but you're right. There was a lot of news with SurveyMonkey going on with this particular deal as well, and many people were surprised that they didn't purchase something like a SurveyMonkey instead. Um, big differences, though, in, in the quality of these two products. So so it'll be interesting yeah, to no. see where this goes. 
Paul Fitz is hands down. You, you know, um, um, when we were doing survey work, um, we used Qualtrics because it's the best tool. There's, there's no question that Qualtrics is the best tool, um, um, and and it's it's hard to imagine that a company of SAP scale would want to buy something other than the best. Um, so you can see how it happened. You can definitely see how it happened. And and the question is, can they figure out how to keep it? Useful. There's, there are a lot of customers who are not ever going to become SAP customers who depend on Qualtrics, and so yep, exactly. I'm sure there's some angst out in the marketplace. Yeah, definitely. No, no. It'll it'll be an interesting thing to uh, to keep an eye on. Um, there's a lot of other stuff going on. Lots of stuff in the learning space. Um, LinkedIn uh, mentioned that they now have. Um, third-party content and Q&A interactive features that they're offering. We also saw WalkMe extending its Series F funding. We talk a little bit about that into the Asia to get them into the Asia-Pacific market even deeper. Um, PlayerLink raises $12.5 million Series and B funding. Golden Gate Capital acquired Vector Solutions. All of those are learning um, things going on. And Oracle um, uh, making an agreement with Singapore's talent uh, sort of primary talent um, group, Skills Future, um, to create sort of a, a tool that can be used inside of their HR framework um, from a skills perspective and a learning perspective. So lots of learning stuff going on. We also had announcements by Paycom that they're launching their own machine learning technology. So Paycom is the very small, well, not very small, I should say, but they serve the SMB market in the payroll space. Um, and then uh, if we have time, there's some um, updates and announcements for ADP uh, with some of its new partners in the daily pay market. Um, and ZipRecruiter adding lots of people to its board. So it's it's a busy week this week with announcements beyond just the very large you know, SAP and Qualtrics announcement. Um, talking about the learning space, John, you, you and I have both been sort of following this a little bit, but... This LinkedIn, um, you know, announcement that they made. Now, this has been out in the market a little bit since, you know, I think for a week or so. But I think they're, they're, we're getting to get a better understanding of what's happening. But LinkedIn now is offering the ability for other third-party content to go into what is their Lynda.com environment, um, including Harvard Business Publishing as the the first group, and then they're they're going to do some get abstracts and they're going to do some other things, but. This is sort of direct competition now in a way that that it hasn't been previously with organizations like Udemy and Skillsoft and Khan Academy. Um, and now they're also adding the question and answer feature with that content. Uh, is LinkedIn trying to become a, the new LMS, or is this just a, a, a new addition to let's get as many people as possible with their eyes on the LinkedIn product? I think I think it's it's reasonable to say that this is another thrust in Microsoft's attempt to really, really dig into the enterprise market space. And so so if you look at it as the, the micro, Microsoft thing, Microsoft and other fronts, Microsoft has become the second largest cloud provider after Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hearing rumors on the street that the quality of their AI implementations is better than Google, right? So they're 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 angling for number one there, and they are um, lined up to make a big splash in our space in HR tech. So so this looks like part of 
a, a well-considered deep strategy to become central to the enterprise in a way that they've never been before. Yeah. And you take this and combine so, so it with yeah, their connection with Microsoft Office. Um, those two things together will make them almost inseparable in the work environment, right? Uh, yeah, I think that I think that's what they're hoping. I think that's what they're hoping, and it's and it's um, you know, it's a classic Microsoft strategy, which is land and expand. They do that over and over and over again, and build on existing relationships to to increase the game, and so. Uh, it's good to it's good to see LinkedIn figuring out how to be more open about what it does, more inclusive about the vendors who are able to use it. They've been very uh, guarded fortress like till now. <laughs> they have very much so. That's a, that's a that's a that's a very political way of putting it. <laughs> There's a lot of people who feel that LinkedIn's been pretty much closed off. Um, uh, they've had one of the biggest assets in the market of um, uh, workforce data, and, and they're very hard sometimes to work with in, in, in many perspectives. Um, but I think, you know, being under the, the, the Microsoft flagship and the, the fact that you have to do these connection points um, is, is changing that a bit. So, so it's something to watch. In the learning space, we're also seeing that WalkMe, for those who follow learning, is um, extending its series um, it's raised um, uh, Series F, which means it's continuing to raise all the way out, um, to and that's forty million dollars in September, and it looks like it's another ten million now. So they're they're just continuing to add to their investments. The focus here, it sounds like, is to move more into the Asia Pacific market. Um, for those who don't know what WalkMe is, they are a a tool that not only sort of helps organizations. They, they call themselves an adoption tool, but it's they're basically a, a tool that helps organizations. Um, uh, better leverage their existing technology by doing walkthroughs and tutorials and scraping how people are using it and, and giving them some performance feedback on how they're using it. Um, it's probably one of the most versatile adoption tools I've seen in the market. Um, one of the things that it's getting into is more of robotic process automation, which is really extending what it can do in, in the sense of not just only helping you do your job, but sometimes maybe even doing the job for you, if it makes sense. Um, you followed WalkMe for a while as well, John. Um, them continuing to invest in the Asia-Pacific market, does, does that surprise you? I mean, you just spent some time over there. Um, is that a space you think that where, where they will be sort of embraced even more so? I think, I think you have to be really – one needs to watch what's going on in the Asia-Pacific region very closely. This is this is not just a Series F. This is forty million dollars of direct investment from the Singapore government, right? And so that so that says they think this is the way to move their workforce forward in adoption, right? And so they're trying to figure out how to accelerate the movement of the entire workforce through chunks of technology, and um, it's. It's my sense that they're already moving pretty fast, so this is an accelerator, um, and okay. um, it's going to be it's going to be amazing to see. I, I don't think we're prepared yet for what's about to happen in the Asia Pacific marketplace. 
Well, and it maybe fits also with the news this week. And this one is sort of buried back in an article that I had found when I was doing some some research on some other topics this week um, about Oracle signing a a partnership with um, Skills Future Singapore, SSG, as an effort to embed Singapore's skills framework into Oracle's human capital management cloud. Um, the actual comment is allowing HR professionals, employers, and employees to quickly and easily access the framework. So my understanding is this is sort of a competency and skills management, um, but from the Singapore perspective, from the Asia-Pacific markets perspective as a whole, um, with some level of contextualization and curriculum sort of tied with that, um, but embedding it directly into Oracle's HR system. Um, is this along those same lines, do you think? Is this a, a matter of, of skilling up a market um, at, at a quick pace as, as part of this partnership, do you think? Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's really easy to forget how American-centric we are in the way we think yeah. about software and the way we think about development, the way we think about learning. And so, so the Singapore government isn't alone. I'm sure there's something in Japan and Korea and China um, uh, like this, the way that people think about work and how it's structured is different. Um, and and so if you want to make the market actually happen, you need to do it in the light of what the government thinks is the right thing to do. So that's a great move on the part of Oracle. And hang on one second, I've got something for you here. You're listening to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. Did you know 86% of career seekers would commit five years to an employer offering a student loan repayment benefit program? Even more amazing, only 4% of employers offer one. BenefitEd makes it easy to introduce this in-demand benefit any time of year. Simple administration for you, simple sign-up for employees. You can help them pay down student loans or save for college. Compete for the best and build your dream team. Learn more at youbenefited.com slash hrtech. That's y-o-u-benefited.com slash hrtech. Isn't it cool that we've got sponsor? That, 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 <laughs> that's really great that, that, that benefited.com is taking care of us. Um, it, it is, and, and, and it's an important to topic. Them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yes, education yes. and expense uh, payment is is massive these days. I think for anybody who's dealing with it, um, with my two children in school, I can completely relate. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, so, so moving on to yes. the other learning stuff, are we? You know, this is this is as you said a a, a component of sort of fitting into sort of what's going on in the Asia Pacific market. But we also have a couple of other learning um, announcements this week. PlayerLink raised $12.5 million um, in their funding, and, and PlayerLink um, is, a, is another micro-learning sort of um, organization, um, adding more and more to sort of how you think about learning and development. Um, and then we're also seeing that Golden Gate, um, which is a sort of a known investor in the HR tech space, um, acquired Vector Solutions, which is another learning content provider um, in the safety and sort of um, manufacturing space. So we're seeing more and more investment in the learning space and going beyond just regionally, but everywhere in the market, I think, right now is the focus. Yeah, it's, it's, 
you know, you know, the the learning space is churning right now. There are some um, funding projects that are running out of steam. Um, it seemed to me that when Golden Gate Capital acquires something, it, it's a PE play, and it, it signals that they thought that the um, uh, Vector Solutions was an underperforming asset that they could fix in some way over a couple of years. Um, so there's there's this great sense of opportunity, but but you watch this very closely, and there's there's some big questions in the learning market, like if you've got six thousand or eight thousand. Uh, bits of micro learning. How do you help people find it? Yeah. Right, right, right. And so, so what are you seeing on that front? What, what works in terms of? It's not really the traditional LMS, which it, you'd go to when you knew what you wanted. Yeah. If there are six, if there are six or eight thousand pieces of content, you're not going to know what you want. So it has I have to no be idea. Real, right. Yeah, it, the machine learning here. This is this is probably the most probably beneficial space for machine learning to really get involved. It's 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 a little bit. Uh, I mean, it still has a bias concern, but but not as as sort of deep ramifications as we as we see in the on the recruiting space. Um, it, it has a much uh, better opportunity here in this space to leverage machine learning and data and insights to pull up information that you wouldn't have thought of um, being part of your learning process, right? Um, everything in this environment is about contextualization, and contextualization is a very broad term that, that humans use on a, on a pretty regular basis in how we think about organizing our world, right? Um, the machine learning has to help us contextualize this information. Um, and up to this point, We've used catalogs and broad terms to do that. That's what an LMS basically does, is they catalog it into very big chunks and say, well, if you want this big chunk, everything's in here. Um, now we have to contextualize down into a granular level. And and that, I think, is a lot of what you're seeing in this, in this movement. We're seeing a lot of investment in what we call the micro-learning tools. We're seeing a lot of investment in um, machine learning contextualization tools that capture information about how you do your work so we can do a better job of the, the learning um, assignment. And then um, industry-specific content. I think that's the piece that we're sort of, you know, the, the vector solutions acquisition, there's a couple other announcements that, that didn't quite, weren't big enough, but we're in the same vein this week, of very industry-specific content because that's where um, right now the learning has somewhat broken down. When you look at these big catalogs, they're very generic generally, um, and it's this industry-specific, how do you lay a pipe, how do you get in and, and fix a specific you know, program, how do you do something that's very specific to an industry, um, where I think we're seeing the most movement right now, because those are the areas where they haven't quite figured out how to, to make the content accessible in a way that makes sense. Right? That's interesting. You know, I, I find myself increasingly using Google as my first line of customer support. Yeah. So if I want to know, I was trying to change a template in a Microsoft Word document the other day. And so I went to Google and I said, um, I want to change a template in a Microsoft Word document, and it gave me seven steps of instructions. <laughs> and 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 <laughs> even I can follow seven steps of instructions, right? Yeah. And that's that's the that's that's the gist of of uh, 
micro learning, isn't it? That, that, it? that you get the exact instruction at the exact time that you need it. Exactly. And you yes. had to know sort of the question you were asking, and that sort of makes sense in some areas, right? I think part of the challenge of the market is if you don't know the question to ask, how do you learn about something, right? Um, so you had to know that you were using Microsoft Office. You had to know enough about Microsoft Office to follow the options tools, right? Um, and you had to know enough about what you were trying to do to ask the to know that it was a template, right? If you didn't know the term template, what would you have asked about, right? Um, and those are the challenges I think that learning is dealing with. So, so do you think there's a lot of people out there who are trying to solve problems that they don't know that they don't understand the problem that they're trying to solve? Is that I mean, that's that's sort of what you said is is um, if you wanted to find out how to lay a pipe on Google, you'd have to know that you had a pipe and you were trying to lay it. Um, and I'm like, I'm like, well, if you if if you were trying to lay a pipe but you didn't know you were trying to lay a pipe, it would be quite hard to ask the question. But you'd also be stupid. Um, no, no, no. This is where we're going to disagree because now think about it. We, we, me, and you. Um, uh, we're raised in a Microsoft environment where the term templates mean something to us, means something very specific to us. We we get that, right? Um, you know, children or kids who didn't grow up in the Microsoft Office days, maybe who were learning on Google or something else, uh, the word template may not mean the same thing to them, right? Um, so what you're talking about is that you have a certain level of proficiency that you've hit that you would know the answer, right? But we're talking about, I think, the next generation, people maybe who haven't gone through the foundational things that we went through to gain our knowledge, how do you train and educate them, right? So I'll, I'll push back on that one a little bit with you. <laughs> yeah, well, that's an interesting question. I still, I, I still don't understand how you, how you ask a question about solving a problem that you don't know how you're solving, right? You've got to be able to say, how do I do X? Um, so yes, I, I, and the, I, 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 have, I haven't given this the thought that it deserves, so so I'm <laughs> going to defer to you because you are actually an expert in this, and I am not. Yeah, <laughs> and this it, it it comes down a lot, and this is why I talk a lot about it. You know, the the starting point, but um, but this is this is where machine learning can help because if it sees where you're at and what you're working with, it can make an assumption about what your next move might be even if you don't know what your next move should be, right? Um, and and that's that's the machine learning, I think, nirvana that everybody's trying to get to, um, is, you know, can the machines predict, um, like they're trying to do with everything else. I mean, one of the announcements we've got this week is Paycom launching their machine learning technology with Employment Predictor. Um, Paycom is a, is a payroll solution for primarily SMBs, and we haven't seen sort of machine learning being used um, and anything but the biggest of companies in general, right? Or with newer companies that are they're sort of on the on the forefront of cutting edge. But Paycom is a traditional payroll management solution that is now saying they're going to be able to give you some predictions about um, whether or not someone might be ready to leave your organization. I mean, you have talked about that a long time. Um, you know, can machine learning predict what? someone might do or what someone might need in the future? And that's a question I think you could probably answer better than most. 
Well, yeah, so so this this is troubling. This is troubling. Um, the idea that so so, so I, you you must remember that 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 I think that uh, flight risk data is pretty dangerous stuff on a, on a variety of levels. It tends to create self fulfilling prophecies, and lately. You, you, you know, one of the things that you can do with, with attrition data is you can use it to spot problems in the organization. If you've got a bad manager who is sexually harassing employees, there'll be a gender-based difference in attrition rates. And so even if nobody is reporting the sexual harassment, you'll be able to see the sexual harassment in the data. Um, if you make that something that is available to first-level managers, then you warn the offenders and give them the opportunity to retaliate. So if you see that Stacy, you know, I've been sexually harassing Stacy, and and I see that she is more likely to leave than most. It's not inherently the case that I'm going to do something kind with that information. And, and the, the idea that the idea that I'm that this information can be used for other than benevolent purposes um, is something that I don't see a company like Paycom paying attention to. Um, um, it, it's it's a significant ethical question and would require training a lot of their employees. So, so, so it'll be interesting to see what their experience is with it. Um, the the data, the the flight risk data, tells you a lot of things besides flight risk. It does, and and it's and you know this is one of the things I think we're going to see in the market is that you know. As I said, machine learning for learning for the for the case of sort of giving you a sense of what you might need to know next, right? Seems to be a much safer ground right now. But even so, it has its biases, and well, more women, you know, focus on English versus math. So does that mean the machine learning tool will make some references about where you should focus your attention? Right? Um, we have a lot of stuff we haven't figured out yet in this machine learning space, and and it, at the end of the day, it comes back to the the, the human issues, right? That we have to, we can't. Machine learning isn't going to resolve our human issues. Uh, just like we don't know how to contextualize millions of micro learning elements, we may not know how to appropriately think about um, flight risk information um, until we understand human um, behavior behind it. Correct? I think that's exactly right. I think that is that is a perfect place to end our conversation today. Yeah. Um, we have so much to learn. And, and it is a bigger, goofier world than we ever imagined. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, it's been a it's been so, a nice morning, John. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We started with a few technical problems and ended up on a high note. I want to give another little shout out to uh, BenefitEd.com. Thank you for sponsoring us, um, and thanks again, Stacy, for doing this. It's always such a treat to have this conversation, and thanks everybody for listening in. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye now. You've been, you've been listening to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. We sure love having you. Come back next week. We'll have a Thanksgiving show. Bye-bye now. Mm-hmm.